Section 17 of The Romance of a Mummy and Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Romance of a Mummy and Egypt by Theophile Gautier. Translated by F. C. de Sumacrost. Section 17. Chapter 13. The draught of cold air, due to the speed of the chariot, soon made Tahoser recover from her faint. Pressed and crushed against the breast of the pharaoh by his two stony arms, her heart had scarce room to beat, and the hard enameled collars were making their mark on her heaving bosom. The horses, whose reins the king slackened, by bending towards the front of the car, rushed furiously forward. The wheels went round like whirlwinds, the brazen plates jostled, the heated axles smoked. Tahoser, terrified, saw vaguely, as in a dream, flashed to the right and left, vast masses of buildings, clumps of trees, palaces, temples, pylons, obelisks, colossi, which the night made more fantastic and terrible. What were the thoughts that filled her mind during that mad rush? She thought as little as thinks a dove, fluttering in the talons of a hawk, which is carrying it away to its eyrie. Mute terror stupefied her, made her blood run cold, and dulled her feelings. Her limbs hung limp, her will was relaxed like her muscles, and had she not been held firmly in the arms of the pharaoh, she would have slipped and fallen in a heap on the bottom of the chariot, like a piece of stuff which is let drop. Twice she thought she felt upon her cheek a burning breath, and two lips of fire. She did not attempt to turn away her head. Terror had killed modesty in her. When the chariot struck violently against a stone, a dim instinct of self-preservation made her cling with her hands to the shoulder of the king, and press closer to him. Then she let herself go again, and leaned with her whole weight, light though it was, upon those arms which held her. The chariot entered the avenue of sphinxes, at the end of which rose a giant pylon, crowned with a cornice on which the symbolic globe displayed its wings. The lessening darkness allowed the priest's daughter to recognize the king's palace. Then despair filled her heart. She struggled, she strove to free herself from the embrace which held her close. She pressed her frail hands against the stony breast of the pharaoh, stiffened out her arms, throwing herself back over the edge of the chariot. Her efforts were useless, her struggles were vain. Her ravisher brought her back to his breast with an irresistible, slow pressure, as if he would have driven her into it. She tried to scream. Her lips were closed with a kiss. Meanwhile the horses in three or four strides reached the pylon, under which they passed at full gallop, glad to return to the stable, and the chariot rolled into the vast court. The servants hastened up and sprang to the heads of the horses, whose bits were white with foam. Tahoser cast a terrified glance around her. High brick walls formed a vast square enclosure, in which rose on the east a palace, on the west a temple between two great pools, the prisonnée of the sacred crocodiles. The first rays of the sun, the orb of which was already rising behind the Arabian mountains, flushed with rosy light the top of the buildings, the lower portion of which were still plunged in blush shadows. 
there was no hope of flight the buildings though in no wise gloomy had a look of irresistible strength of absolute will of eternal persistence a world catastrophe alone could have opened an issue through these thick walls through these piles of hard sandstone to overthrow the pylons built of fragments of mountains the earth itself would have had to quake even a conflagration could only have licked with its fiery tongues those indestructible blocks poor tahoser did not have at her command such violent means and she was compelled to allow herself to be carried like a child by the pharaoh who had sprung from his chariot four high columns with palm-leaf capitals formed the propylaeum of the palace into which the king entered still pressing to his breast the daughter of petamounoph when he had passed through the door he gently placed his burden on the ground and seeing tahoser stagger he said to her be reassured you rule the pharaoh and the pharaoh rules the world these were the first words he had spoken to her if love followed the dictates of reason tahoser would certainly have preferred the pharaoh to poeri the king was endowed with supreme beauty his great clean regular features seemed to be chiselled and not the slightest imperfection could be detected in them the habit of command had given to his glance that penetrating gleam which makes divinities and kings so easily recognizable his lips one word from which would have changed the face of the world and the fate of nations were of a purple red like fresh blood upon the blade of a sword and when he smiled they possessed the grace of terrible things which nothing can resist his tall well-proportioned majestic figure presented the nobility of form admired in the temple statues and when he appeared solemn and radiant covered with gold enamels and gems in the midst of the bluish vapour of the censers he did not seem to belong to that frail race which from generation to generation falls like leaves and is stretched sticky with bitumen in the dark depths of the mummy pits what was poor poeri by the side of this demigod nevertheless tahoser loved him the wise have long since given up attempting to explain the heart of woman they are masters of astronomy astrology and arithmetic they know the origin of the world and can tell where were the planets at the very moment of creation they are sure that the moon was then in the constellation of cancer the sun in that of lion mercury in that of the virgin venus in the balance mars in the scorpion jupiter in sagittarius saturn in capricorn they trace on papyrus or granite the direction of the celestial ocean which goes from the east to the west they have summed up the number of stars strewn over the blue robe of the goddess neith and make the sun travel in the lower or the superior hemisphere with the twelve diurnal and the twelve nocturnal baris under the conduct of the hawk-headed pilot and of neb -wah, the lady of the bark they know that in the second half of the month of toby orion influences the left ear and sirius the heart but they are absolutely ignorant why a woman prefers one man to another a wretched israelite to an illustrious pharaoh after having traversed several halls with tahoser whom he led by the hand the king sat down on a seat in the shape of a throne in a superbly decorated room golden stars gleamed in the blue ceiling 
and against the pillars which supported the cornice were placed the statues of kings wearing the shvent their legs merging into the block of stone and their arms crossing on their chest looking into the room with frightful intensity out of their black-lined eyes between every two pillars burned a lamp placed upon a pedestal and on the base of the walls was represented a sort of ethnographic procession the nations of the four quarters of the world were represented there with their particular faces and their particular dress at the head of the series guided by horus the shepherd of the nations walked the man of men the egyptian the rote anno with a gentle face slightly aquiline nose plaited hair and his dark red skin brought out by the whiteness of the loin-cloth next came the negro or nahasi with his black skin thick lips protruding cheekbones and woolly hair then the asiatic or namu with yellow flesh-color strongly aquiline nose thick black beard cut to a point wearing a striped skirt fringed with tufts then the european or tomhu the least civilized of all differing from the others by his white complexion his red beard and hair his blue eyes an undressed ox-skin cast over his shoulder and his arms and legs tattooed the other panels were filled with various subjects scenes of war and triumph and hieroglyphic inscriptions in the centre of the room on a table supported by prisoners bound by the elbows so skilfully carved that they seemed to live and suffer bloomed a vast bouquet of flowers whose sweet scent perfumed the atmosphere so in this vast hall surrounded by the effigies of his ancestors all things spoke and sang of the glory of the pharaoh the nations of the world walked behind egypt and acknowledged her supremacy and he governed egypt yet the daughter of petamounoph far from being dazzled by the splendor thought of the rustic villa of poeri and especially of the mean hut of mud and straw in the hebrew quarter where she had left rahel rahel from henceforward the happy and only spouse of the young hebrew the pharaoh held the tips of the fingers of tahoser who stood before him and he fixed upon her his hawk eyes the eyelids of which never moved the young girl had no other garment than the drapery substituted by rahel for the dress which had been soaked during the swim across the nile but her beauty was in no wise impaired she remained thus half nude holding with one hand the coarse stuff which slipped and the whole upper portion of her beautiful body appeared in its golden fairness when she was adorned with her jewels one was tempted to regret that any part of her form should be concealed by her necklaces her bracelets and her belts of gold or of gems but on seeing her thus devoid of all ornamentation admiration was satisfied or rather exalted certainly many very beautiful women had entered the pharaoh's harem but not one of them comparable to tahoser and the eyes of the king flashed such burning glances that unable to bear their brilliancy she was obliged to cast down her eyes in her heart tahoser was proud of having excited love in the pharaoh for who is the woman however perfect she may be who has not some vanity yet she would have preferred to follow the young hebrew into the desert the king terrified her she felt herself dazzled by the splendor of his face and her limbs gave way under her 
the pharaoh noticed her emotion and made her sit down at his feet on a red cushion adorned with tufts oh tahoser he said kissing her hair i love you when i saw you from the top of my triumphal palanquin borne higher than the heads of men by the generals an unknown feeling entered into my soul i whose every desire is forestalled desired something i understood that i was not everything until then i had lived solitary in my almightiness in the depths of my vast palaces surrounded by mere shadows which call themselves women and who had no more effect upon me than the painted figures in the frescoes i heard in the distance muttering and complaining low the nations upon whose heads i wipe my sandals or which i lift by their hair as i am represented doing on the symbolic basse relievi of the palaces and in my cold breast as strong as that of a basalt god i never heard the beat of my own heart it seemed to me that there was nowhere on earth a being like myself a being who could move me in vain i brought back from my expeditions into foreign lands choice virgins and women famous for their beauty in their own country i cast them aside like flowers after having breathed their scent for a moment none inspired me with a desire to see her again when they were present i scarce glanced at them when they were absent i immediately forgot them twia taya amense hondreche whom i have kept to avoid the disgust of having to find others who the next day would have been as indifferent as themselves have never been when in my arms aught but vain phantoms perfumed and graceful forms beings of another race with whom my nature could not mingle any more than the leopard can mate with the gazelle the dweller in the air with the dweller in the waters i had come to think that placed by the gods apart from and above all mortals i was never to share either their pains or their joys fearful weariness like that which no doubt tires the mummies who wrapped up in their bands wait in their caves in the depths of the hypogea until the soul shall have finished the cycle of migrations a fearful weariness had fallen upon me on my throne for i often remained with my hands on my knees like a granite colossus thinking of the impossible the infinite the eternal how many a time have i thought of raising the veil of isis at the risk of falling blasted at the feet of the goddess perhaps i said to myself that mysterious face is the one i have been dreaming of the one which is to inspire me with love if earth refuses me happiness i shall climb to heaven but i saw you i felt a strange unaccustomed sensation i understood that there existed outside myself a being necessary imperious and fatal to me whom i could not live without and who possessed the power of making me unhappy i was a king almost a god and you o oh, tahoser have made of me a man never perhaps had the pharaoh uttered so long a speech usually a word a gesture a motion of the eye sufficed to manifest his will which was immediately divined by a thousand attentive restless eyes performance followed his thought as the lightning follows the thunderclap but with desire he seemed to have given up his granitic majesty he spoke and explained himself like a mortal tahoser was a prey to singular emotion however much she felt the honor of having inspired love in the man preferred a fray 
in the favoured of amun-ra the destroyer of nations in the terrifying solemn and superb being upon whom she scarce dared to gaze she felt no sympathy for him and the idea of belonging to him filled her with terror and repulsion to the pharaoh who had carried off her body she could not give her soul which had remained with poeri and rahel and as the king appeared to await a reply she said how is it o king that amid all the maids of egypt your glance should have fallen on me on me whom so many others surpass in beauty in talent in gifts of all sorts how is it that in the midst of clumps of white blue and rose lotus with open corollas with delicate scent you have chosen the modest blade of grass which nothing marks i know not but i know that you alone exist in this world for me and that i shall make king's daughters your servants but suppose i do not love you said tahoser timidly what care i if i love you replied the pharaoh have not the most beautiful women in the world thrown themselves down upon my threshold weeping and moaning tearing their cheeks beating their breasts plucking out their hair and have they not died imploring a glance of love which never fell upon them never has passion in any one made my heart of brass beat within my stony breast resist me hate me if you will you will only be more charming for the first time an obstacle will have come in the way of my will and i shall know how to overcome it but suppose i love another continued tahoser more boldly at this suggestion the eyebrows of the pharaoh were bent he violently bit his lower lip in which his teeth left white marks and he pressed to the point of hurting her the fingers of the maid which he still held then he cooled down again and said in a low deep voice when you have lived in this palace in the midst of these splendours surrounded by the atmosphere of my love you will forget everything as does he who eats nepenthe your past life will appear to you like a dream your former feelings will vanish as incense upon the coals of the censer the woman who is loved by the king no longer remembers men go come accustom yourself to pharaonic magnificence help yourself as you please to my treasures make gold flow heap up gems order make unmake raise destroy be my mistress my wife my queen i give you egypt with its priests its armies its toilers its numberless population its palaces its temples and cities crumple it up as you would crumple up gauze i will win other kingdoms for you larger fairer and richer if the world is not sufficient i will conquer planets for you i will dethrone the gods you are she whom i love tahoser the daughter of petamounoph is no more End of chapter 13 recording by dion jines salt lake city utah